Welcome to Gig Stories with Music People. I'm Evan Michael at the Spacement Recording Studio in Los Angeles. This is episode 33 with my guest, Zach Lupitan, a prolific singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist, originally from Chicago, now on the west side of L.A. for many years. He's the band leader for Dust Bowl Revival, who I highly recommend checking out. He also has a side project called Patio Club, a podcast called Show on the Road, and a radio show in L.A. on 88.5 called The Sway Out West. I'm actually headed out on a tour with Zach and Dust Bowl this week. If you're jumping on this episode early, we're playing in Colorado Springs on Wednesday, February 22nd, then on to Fort Collins, Denver at the Bluebird Theater, and then Steamboat Springs. So if you know anyone in Colorado, we would love to see them at a show. I've subbed with them just a few times now, and uh, it's been awesome. So check them out. You can follow Zach on Instagram at ZNLupitan and at Dust Bowl Revival. Go to DustBowlRevival.com for all of their tour dates. I'm at Evan on the Bass. The studio is at the underscore Spacement. The podcast is at Gig Stories with Music People. Tell a friend. I've gotten a couple random Venmos recently, which was a pleasant surprise. Very much appreciated. Keep them, uh, keep them coming so I can keep doing this. Next episode in two weeks, probably. Uh, thanks for listening. Let's get to it. Enjoy. start there welcome to the pod <laughs> and we're starting yeah. uh yeah i mean a show where you question your life choices you know i find that in my i don't know what 10 years of, of touring with my group dust bowl revival like we have shows that are real bad at times or were real bad but they're actually fun in their own way sure because they're so bad yeah you know, we have a couple that we will reference, like Athens, Georgia. Like, just the city alone, everyone yeah. knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, it was a packed venue of sorority girls. Okay. Now, this is about eight years ago, so a lot of us were still single or, or like, we're like, oh, this is going to be great. Sure. You know? All these southern bells, like, yeah, why are they in line to see our show? But they actually were there for like a charity event and like a bar crawl, yeah. And as soon as they were done with their bar crawl and we were going to go on, they all left. So mm. the venue was then completely empty because we had never been in that town, yeah. And they had it was a cool venue, they had like cameras for some reason like filming us from every angle that would then project on these screens around the venue. Yeah. <laughs> so then we were watching ourselves to nobody really. <laughs> and you're your own audience. Laughing at that point. so hard because it was so weird. Because there yeah. was a, a delay a bit. Like so the cameras are not very good. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and as we start like doing our first song, the only person there was a sound guy and the janitor guy had not finished cleaning the room from the sorority <laughs> yeah. like party, so he was sweeping the floor as we were going into our first song. Oh, oh into the first song. Yeah. Oof, that's a tough start. And it was just like, <laughs> wait, 
what happened to all the sorority girls? <laughs> yeah, and that raises the bar so high just before the show that that, like, you know. <laughs> we went from being super excited and like, this is going to be great to yeah. being like, oh, right. All right, nobody knows us in this town. Yeah. And it shows, you know. That's a rough one. I, I definitely have played to a janitor before. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to say, of course. But I think it was like the last set, at least, where I was like, are, why are we still doing this last set? Yeah. He's cleaning up. <laughs> I mean, there was a time where we played in Fort Collins, Colorado, it was like a Tuesday night. It was really cold, like 15 degrees. Yeah. And supposedly it was, and it's a college town, it was like finals week. Yeah. So everyone was like, you know, going going hard at the at the library or sure. something. And uh, it was a venue that was way too big for us, honestly. Yeah. And the local band that was supposed to, you know, co-headline with us never showed up. Mm. Just like... Something they, happened. I think one of them got sick, and then they just never told the venue. I was going to say they had finals, too, yeah. and we're just like, so, I can't do it. So then, like, <laughs> they were supposed to go on, and no one was there. Yeah. And so the venue's like, well, I guess you guys can just play, like, an extended set. <laughs> and we're like, okay. And yeah. this is, like, a place that fits 500 people. Right. And there was, like, maybe 12 people there, you know? Yeah. And Cavernous. Again, though, it felt kind of fun because we're like, you know what? These people are going to have their faces completely melted. And we basically just played half the song, like, in the crowd, like, in the dance floor area. You know? Nice. And that song we do called Good Egg, the big sort of bopper. Yeah. That was the first time we ever played that live. And we're like, well, no one's going to care. We should just try it out. Yeah. And it was so fun. They were like, all right, this is now one of our favorite songs. Well, that's cool that you had enough material, too, to, to keep going. I mean, I don't even know if we did an or extended maybe, yeah. set. But, like, <laughs> we just were like, hey, we're here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the the hard thing is that you feel a decade in... You're like, oh, well, those shows are going to be in the past. Right. And they are mostly. Sure. But I did a post on, on Facebook a couple days ago that I don't think went viral, but like is the most viewed and shared post we've done in a long time, maybe years. Yeah. And it was just a picture of us and me sort of in this, I was in a bit of a disheartened mood because... A lot of times your manager would be like, well, you know, uh, not a lot of tickets are being sold for this show and this show coming up. If you can (laughs) maybe uh, do some more posts, you know, which never works. Give it a little nudge. People can smell the desperation when you're like, (laughs) hey, guys, I would love for you to check out our show in San Francisco, you know. Yeah. And basically saying what a lot of other bands have started to have the courage to say is like behind the shiny pictures and the encouraging fun messages on our social media what's really going on is a lot of unfamous quote-unquote bands who aren't taylor swift or harry styles are having a lot of trouble selling tickets at club shows especially sure now it could be people not used to um coming back into the live music rhythm 
where they used to go to a show once a week, once a month, and then you just stop doing that for a year and a half, and you're just like, well, I don't really check out new music anymore. Right. I go to sure things that are big arena shows or a fun festival with 10 bands. Sure. And uh, bands like us that have been around a bit that aren't the cool new thing but still have a lot of great music to share are just getting hammered, you know? Right. And that the travel costs have, like, tripled, you know, in the last few years. Yeah. Flights, airfare, uh, I mean, hotels, rental cars. It's like... It's been a struggle financially for a good year and a half for to sure. really make it all work. And it's just like you have to win back everybody's sort of interest. And yeah, I just sort of said that. And all of a sudden, like, everyone's like, yeah, oh, my God, right? And very sweet fans on our Facebook being like, I saw you 10 years ago at a street fair in Spokane, Washington. And I was like, cool, but can you tell people to go to this show in <laughs> right? San Francisco? Yeah. You know? And that's the daunting thing is that you have markets that have traditionally been your best drawing markets. The Bay Area has always been that for us. Yeah. And a lot of those people are all gone. A lot of people moved out of San Francisco. Sure. During the pandemic. Can't afford it. Or right. they went on to different things or, you know, they listened to different type of music. And yeah. we started years ago playing this sort of bluegrass swing old time mashup totally and we're much more of a funk soul rock and roll vibe these days which is kind of what i really want to play which i love by the way thank you <laughs> and you sound great on bass by the way oh thank you very but, much you know you have to kind of again win people's trust back or something you yeah know, we have a different lead singer with me nowadays right. so people Sometimes people think like, "Oh, are they even a band anymore?" Sure. And you're like, "What? We've been, <laughs> we've been doing good stuff this whole time." You yeah. Know? Well, I think you're fighting a bunch of different things, right? Yeah. Because of the the progression of the band, and then the perfect storm of COVID, and like still uncertainty with people, and then a recession fears, and just like right. it's like, what else can we throw at at the music industry and, and like a middle a middle class or even upper middle class band kind of thing. Well, I think we're also, you know, a seven piece band. We were an eight piece for many years. Okay. So we're actually, you know, very You're slimming down. Slimming it's the... <laughs> but it's a big band with a big yeah. sound. We can't just like be nimble and, and, and sort of roll in one car. You right. Know? Yeah. And a lot of bands, God bless them, they drive all across the country, they don't take, you know, a lot of flights. They yeah. drive home to Nashville seventeen hours. We don't do that. We've never done that, right? You know, I mean, I yes, we used to sleep on floors and and friends' places, and um, we're not young guys anymore. Some of us are in our thirties, forties, kids. <laughs> well, we just like we want a hotel room, yeah. and if it's a longer than seven-hour drive, we fly home. Yeah. Which, you know, in the case of this show in San Francisco, flights from San Francisco to L.A. are 50 bucks. Right. It's like you're going to pay a lot in gas. It's like, totally. what's the point? Anyway, what I'm saying is that there are ways that we could probably be more <laughs> responsible financially, you know? It's like, only why don't you just play with five people? And why don't you uh, not have a horn section? Like, right. that's what makes our sound 
unique. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It makes it unique and makes it a show. Yeah. More than just... Otherwise, we're just another band. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and that's one of the things that, that I... So, well, to back up a little bit. So, I, and I think I told you this once before, but I saw you guys at the Mint like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. And completely different sound, you know, as you know, obviously. But... um I just remember, I, I kind of lost track of you for for years, and then really when Nick was on the podcast, friend of the show, <laughs> Nick Fakbaseth, uh, and then asked me to sub, that I, I was like pleasantly surprised with the new sound and was like really excited to play. I, I mean, I think that's, or talk to me about that evolution of the sound. Like, was that a deliberate, like I want that you wanted to play something different, or did it just kind of like organically become that? Man, I've I've given up trying to like figure out what my taste in music is. <laughs> I just like write songs. Yeah, the band, you know, the sort of core of the band. Me and Josh, the dr- drummer, will often work on stuff. You know, Lashawn is our new singer. Will you know connect vocally, but like. It's like whatever the songs that come naturally from the universe. Sure. And um, I think early on, I felt like <clears throat> there was an accessible entry point into the folk scene, the jam grass kind of scene. And they've been very welcoming of our band. Right. Do we really do we really fit in that scene? Not really, but they've been the ones that have sort of led us into this bigger world. Sure. Whereas the rock, pop, blues, jazz fest scene wants nothing to do with us, really, no matter what we play. Um, do you think it's because like being pigeonholed from the the pride? Like they're yeah, they're looking at bit. older stuff and going, oh, this doesn't. Makes sense. Well, the internet never forgets. <laughs> right. So if you have a video that goes viral or is popular from nine years ago, it's the first thing that comes up no matter what you do. Right. So we had this video that we did with Dick Van Dyke. Okay, yeah. A fan of the band. Nice. 97 years young. Yeah. Um, We met him at like a wedding we played in Long Beach years ago. And um, again, we played a little more old school jazzy stuff, which he loves. Yeah. And we connected with him and his wife, and they invited us to his house in Malibu. We shot this sort of cheesy little improv video with him over a couple hours, and it it legit went viral for four or five million views in, like, weeks. Awesome. And it sort of showed us as this sort of squeaky clean, folky act that sure. was really not ever what we were. Right, but that song was catchy and it was cute, and the video yeah. was fun, and Dick is amazing. Yeah, um, and it brought a lot of people in, a lot of older folks, I think, especially. Sure. And <laughs> when we definitely started doing more funky, edgier, politically charged stuff, yeah, a lot of those people were like, "Bye bye," right? You know. So you had to kind of win a whole new audience. Um, but that's not really total, you know, it's it's just an evolution. If people hear about you from going to a show like at the Mint where we had a, res- a residency. Yeah. That was a cool thing. We had Wednesday night thing at the Mint and, you know, we got voted the 
best live band in LA from LA Weekly. That's awesome. Um, and that was a special little thing where we could kind of play all around LA like every week. Right. I, I missed that a little bit, you know. Sure. Um, that's why, in some ways, I started this other side group called Patio Club. Right. Also with Lashawn and Nick, and it's sort of like yeah. mini Dust Bowl. Yeah. But we can kind of play wherever we want. Right. You know, and it doesn't really matter if anyone shows up or if there's like uh, a show next week or two weeks from now. Is it the same, similar material or any any crossover? It's a little more, I would say, a little more rock and roll, but it's okay. whatever I write. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's harmony, soulful kind of stuff, but a little more... Yeah. Garage bandy, I would say. How about is is Lashawn bringing songs too, or are you mainly bringing the songs and to to everybody? Lashawn has written some stuff on her own, but not for this band. Okay. Um, to be honest, I probably should ask what she's writing, but um, I have so much material that I kind of want to get out there. That yeah, she will. She'll weigh in on some stuff with me. Um, I mean, really, yeah, if, if the harmonies don't work, like, the songs don't get played a lot of times, yeah. you know. Sure. But um, during the pandemic, when we really couldn't get together for a while with the f- the bigger band, yeah, I had LaShawn and Nick, uh, and this guy Chad Richard, who was a good friend of LaShawn's, over to my back patio. Right. And we would just sort of play every Friday, and it was sort of like this little meetup, and all of a sudden there were like 14, 15, 20 songs that were uh, being workshopped over and over again for months and months and months. Yeah. And they're just like, man, these songs are super fun. Like, I want to, like, do something with them. And I took a little of that fun employment money. Yeah. And we went over to the Sound Factory in Hollywood and got a couple ringers to be on drums and uh, keys. and. There's this little EP that's sitting there in my hard drive that I haven't put out. I was gonna say I didn't think you'd released anything, and it's my own. <laughs> it's my own fault. I yeah, mean, I should put it out. I'm just like scared that nothing's gonna happen with it, and I sure. have put so much of my own money in it. In it that I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can do that. Justify that now with a little baby at home, <clears throat> but sure. I could just put it out. I mean, well, maybe an opportunity will present itself or yeah. something. Sometimes there's a reason that shows up later for those things. Yeah. I mean, they're there. I mean, uh, we've been able to play some shows around town, which has been fun, and um, it's like another muscle that can kind of grow. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. Dust Bowl is like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Where a lot of the songs you've been playing for years, you just, like, know them, you know, inside it out. Whereas... Patio club songs, it feels like you're white knuckling it throughout the show. <laughs> sure. Which is fun in its own way, but yeah. also like it's hard to enjoy playing those songs sometimes because you're like, how's the song go? How's the song go again? How's the song go? <laughs> now you know what it's like to be a sub sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you're a sub in your own band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> awesome. Well, I would love to hear some more just stories from from the road or, or anything that comes to mind, any kind of like gear fails or uh uh i i guess i if i if you want a little bit of guidance uh i you were mentioned uh you know some of the politically charged stuff Mm -hmm. that you do now and i remember you telling me are you guys talking about 
some of the reaction at some shows. I don't know if any of those are interesting stories to tell. Well, you know, we have a song called Get Rid of You off our last uh, full record that is about the Parkland, Florida right. shooting, uh, the school shooting, and the kids basically creating March for Our Lives. But you know, it's them yeah. going to Tallahassee, watching the lawmakers in Florida in front of them refuse to pass gun control laws. Right. And them just going like, screw all of you. And then they started this movement, you know. Um, and the hope that young people would vote these people out of office one day, I guess is the point of that song. Right. Um, the fear is always that if you play that type of song in the South or places that aren't blue dots, yeah. that you're going to get some backlash. And the funny thing is that the only places we've gotten some heckling have been in very liberal-seeming towns. That's interesting. Portland, Oregon guy yelled at us, you know, like from <laughs> the audience. That's the last place you would think. Can you swear on this podcast? Yeah. I think he said, go back to California, you fucking losers. <laughs> at full volume. And then the funny thing is he said that, yeah. and then stayed in the front row for the rest of our set. It was only like in the halfway mark of the set. <laughs> well, he didn't have anything better to do. And we're like, wait, I thought he would just leave. He's yeah. like, no, I'm just going to keep watching the set. Like, okay. He wanted to see if there was anything else he could yell at. <laughs> it was really weird. And then I got a bad response from my hometown in Chicago. Like, oh. um, There was a another mass shooting there around 4th of July that was, you know, hit close to home. It was like 10 minutes from my parents' house. Like, yeah. Um, this suburb called Highland Park, um, where we used to go to the movies and you know, yeah. hang out. And, you know, I just said, like, you know, how can we let this keep happening, like, in all of these different communities, blah, blah, blah. And then this woman wrote this scathing email about how I ruined her and her husband's night because he's a cop that was at the shooting. And then he, the cops feel like they're being attacked and, like— right. I triggered him, and I felt bad that, like, you know, she wanted a night of escape from everything. Sure. The music would, you know, let them forget about it all, and then I, you know, reminded them of the trauma. But I am at the point now where it's too late to not say anything, and I think a lot of bands are pretty cowardly these days for just – saying nothing about what's happening in, in the public sphere. You know, sure. There's a song we do now that's very explicit about the Roe v. Wade right. um, abortion debate and women being forced to give birth and, and, and sort of now, and I wrote it for my daughter when she was a tiny baby, like, right. I hope this is not what you have to deal with one day, that your rights have been taken away. Um, now, most people, it's a very emotional song, can kind of feel our passion and are okay with it, but um, there was a woman in Utah at a festival who was like, this is not for, like, a family you know, type festival and how dare you like expose our children to this type of language. And I was like, okay, I don't, you know. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, there's an argument 
to be had, but it's like, what is your responsibility as an artist? And what, and what do you, what do you want to do with your voice? Like you're choosing to, to make that, like, that's your choice to make that a part of your, your show. It is a choice. And I think, um, you know, time will tell if it's a good or bad choice, you know, popularity wise. I mean, sure. I don't know if it's really helped, <laughs> but again, in the some of the places that we play most often, that song, uh, which is called The Truth, um, we started playing it way before it was really ready. Yeah. I had sung it through a little bit with LaShawn, but it was not ready for the full band at all. It still isn't, really. Um, and the that law got overturned by the Supreme Court when we were in Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. And I think we were in Martha's Vine- Vineyard of all places <laughs> like where they started flying migrants, you right? Know, you know. Yeah. The governor of Texas started just flying Latinos there to mess with the community. I don't know, it was just so ridiculous. Yeah. And we tried it out, and it felt really emotional and, and powerful, and then we did it at the Green River Fest, which was one of the better festivals in Massachusetts that we played a few times, and people were weeping like while we were playing it. It was like very emotional, very powerful. People were writing to us overwhelmingly, like, where where can we get this song? Right. And we're like, we literally just started writing and working yeah. on this song. Um, there's a cool video of it up on uh, this thing called the Salt Lick Sessions, which we did in Boston, um, if people want to hear it. but I highly recommend that. I I saw that video. It may take a while for it to be out fully. I don't know. Okay. Um, Because you posted at some point, right? Yeah, it's it's out there. It's on YouTube. um, But we have to be careful, I guess, of, of making the show feel like a downer maybe is, is i guess the <laughs> sure. is the whiplash between some of our more like fun danceable pop soul things and then all yeah. of a sudden like hey guys do you know that roe v wade was overturned <laughs> like that i understand as a show goer can be like jarring yeah and there's times where we play the gun control song into the abortion song double whammy which for me and LaShawn, we're like, yeah, like hit him, hit him hard. But I could tell sometimes people are like, their eyes glaze over. Because they're like, I don't want to hear all this right now. I want to like just drink and have fun. So sometimes you're like, do we just do one of them? Should we do none of them? Yeah. And there's times where you're playing an outdoor concert series with families. And you're like, ah, is this the place to do this? I mean, that's, I guess, at least the beauty of having so much material is, like, you don't have to play it if you don't feel like yeah, it's right. Yeah, but you right. want to feel like you want to share your most powerful work. That's true, It's just, yeah. like, the powerful work that you have that is sometimes disturbing. Yeah. And that's maybe not the time to do it, but, I mean, we tried it at a... <laughs> there was a concert series in... Um, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I saw you played that song. I think you know I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was like, there was another, it was like Viroqua. 
Yeah, Veroqua. Veroqua is that you? I don't don't even know how to pronounce it so far away. Yeah. But uh, yeah, how did that go? (laughs) Well, Veroqua was a little kind of artsy community. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, people loved it. But the uh, Sheboygan show, again, outdoor, family friendly type concert. Yeah. Um, People were barely paying attention to the show to begin with. There was a ton of people there, but it was like, you know, they're eating hot dogs. Street festival kind of a thing. And I asked the organizers, because sometimes I'll do this and if we're in a very purple state or a red state, I'll be like, be honest with me. Like, if we go into a song about the overturning of Roe v. Wade and women's (laughs) rights, and is it going to be bad? Yeah. You know? And sometimes they'll be like, oh, no, you should, you know, speak your mind or... And it's funny, these two ladies go, well, I don't know, you know, you know, Wisconsin's a very uh, split state, so I would be careful. You know, there was a time where a Latino band went into a song that said, screwed George Bush, and then half the people left. Right. Like, we're not telling you to do anything. We're just telling the story. And it was funny, at first, it seemed like she was saying, like, I would maybe steer away from it. And then all of a sudden, she's like, but absolutely, you should play it. (laughs) <laughs> you should go you should really do it right away but and, just be aware that yeah. half the people might leave <laughs> I was like oh okay and I, we did it and then uh, again not many people were responding to the music anyway but right. a guy came by the merch table and was like well that was an interesting choice wasn't it <laughs> like, he didn't say anything about it he just was like well you did it and uh, that was an interesting choice on your part and then he walked away <laughs> Very ambivalent, uh, not, yeah, interesting. So, you know, that's a little threatening, but it was fine. Well, it's cool that you are at least thinking about those things and and asking, because, like, I think some bands are just like, I don't care who's listening, I'm going to fucking say exactly, you know, do, and I've been at those shows where you can see the audience, like, this is not the place for this. Like, uh, well, I, I, so recently I saw, a band, a friend's band opened for like, it was like kind of a Christian metal band thing. Mm, tell which, me more. Right, exactly. Up your alley, I'm sure. Um, but the my friend's band's more just like hard rock, you know, a little bit metalish, not not denominational at all. Yeah. And like really like, uh, I don't know, has a lot of just like about sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be interesting how this how this plays to this audience. And you could see like there's one song where it's just like a lot of language and you're just like seeing people like with like horrified <laughs> looks on their face, like, uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe they should have skipped that one. Yeah. Uh yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the there was a show that we got added on pretty last minute in um middle of nowhere, Tennessee, like heading east from Nashville. And uh, it was going to be an off day going to this festival in Bristol. But they're like, actually, we'll add you to this street fair festival, you know, good amount of money. We're like, hey, it really helps with travel costs. Let's do it. Yeah. It's on our way. And I felt so bad for this festival. I don't know if it was a festival, really. But they had a big stage in the middle of the street, you know, like, Yes, you know, food vendors. It was also they had forgotten that it was during the homecoming game for the local college. Football's a religion down there. Oh yeah. 
So no one was there, right? Except for, it was funny, the only people who were there were, like, a couple families and, like, other musicians who were like, <laughs> I'm not going to that football game. I'm going to check out the music. Right. Everyone who came up to us at the merch was just, like, also in a band. Sure. <laughs> and they were like, hey, we'd love to open for you guys one day. <laughs> but the band schedule, which we looked at on the little board, there was a local Bible theater troupe. Mm. Go on. <laughs> Reenacting some moment of theologians. I don't even know what they were doing, but they were they were doing their thing. And then there was this cover band. Yeah. And then us. And <laughs> like, man, what a juxtaposition. Yeah. And I took this video on our Instagram of as I was setting up merch. Of like this band before us really rocking hard to don't stop believing. And there was like one couple dancing in the middle of this street. Yeah. You know? That's rough. And that's the thing is that you feel disheartened at times when you're a band like us when these people are trying to do something cool and they clearly have some decent taste if they decide to book us. And they had some good other headliners throughout the weekend. Right. But people are not supporting this thing. They're going to the football game. Yeah. And you question yourself as an artist or whatever. You're like, why are we doing these things still? You yeah. Know? Like when you see artists in your somewhat similar uh, you know, community playing some packed stage at some other festival or some other venue, sure. and you're here in the middle of the street with ten people. You know, yeah. I mean, like you said, after ten years, it's like you, you. It's not linear, right? Like you, you feel like oh, every year it's just going to get better and better. But music has a way, yeah. and life in general. But I think music specifically has a way of of humbling you at some point, right? Uh, until maybe you get to Taylor Swift level, but maybe her too in other ways. But again, it's hard to be super mad at this festival because they paid us pretty well. They yeah. paid us twice as well as the amazing packed festival we played the next day. So yeah. it's like they kind of even each other out somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just you want to believe that you belong in some sort of bigger, more organized, uh, more, I don't know what you call it, like a community where everyone's always going to be there for you. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's most uh, tricky to deal with is just not knowing where you fit in any sort of scene or if you ever will have a scene that you fit into. Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, at least to me, that's one of the the cool things about about what you're doing and about the music is that it is a variety. You have two lead singers that trade off. You have different styles happening, and to me, as a concert goer, uh, I love that. <laughs> I yeah. love that there's a variety of things happening. Um, bands that I gravitate towards. I mean, if you do one thing amazingly, that works too. But 
I love the show element that there there is kind of dynamics to the show and to the types of songs. So I think there is, and and you, I mean, you've been doing it ten years and playing big shows. So like, obviously, it's working at least on some level. <laughs> well, it's working to a point. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think um, as a, a new dad and coming out of this weird pandemic yeah. thing. We're definitely playing less. Sure. Uh, we're trying to do these like little weekend jumps and clustering it together as we can. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really, you know, I, I tell our agent and our manager this. I was like, if you guys don't get cool stuff for us to do, the band won't exist. Right. It's kind of up to you guys um, to find us the place to shine right you know? um which is sort of a helpless feeling sometimes where you're like we have so much to give yeah. and you know all these uh places that you want to share your music are just like no we're good <laughs> uh yeah and I... that's that's that sucks you know you're like because you feel like you're somehow not getting through you know and um and then every now and again, something cool will come through that just like, okay, well, great. Yeah. Um, and I think as long as that cool stuff keeps happening enough, yeah, you just keep, keep it rolling, you know. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I saw you guys, uh, you, you went to Europe not that long ago. You've had some, some really cool-looking Yeah, England um, in the summer was one of our most fun little journeys in a long time. And we've done Europe four times i want to say nice um in england it's not always been like honestly the most receptive um oh, done yeah? better in like netherlands scandinavia but they got us in a couple of these festivals um there's a festival called the uh, cambridge folk fest right that was just awesome you know and they god bless them put us on like main stage at like 7 p.m awesome you know, and we're like, okay, here we go. And the place was literally like losing their mind. You know, that's awesome. we sold the most merch of the entire festival. You know, wow. Um, and that's the thing. You're like, if you give us the chance, right, to get on the main stage prime time, right, this band will crack the world open for you. Yeah, you just have to get that chance. You know. Yeah. Well, and I remember that's how well both of us felt. I'm sure everybody felt at. Like my first show I did with you in in uh, in Denver, uh, where we ended up, you know, it was a well, I guess for the audience, uh, my first show was Dust Bowl was supposed to be for New Year's last year, right? And like, what was it, three days, four days before yeah. it gets canceled because somebody in the lead band got COVID, I think, or yeah. something. So they well, like a lot, of, a lot of shows were all shutting yeah, down. Yeah, people were getting sick again. Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, maybe it was better that it didn't have, but it would have been like a crazy, yeah, really fun show. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, ended up kind of rebooking that show, but it was like combined with another show. So now well, it was supposed to be an outdoor festival, right? One day thing at this Levitt Pavilion, which we've played several times, which would yeah. have been fun. But then they were like, "Oh yeah, we need you to be like first of five bands, right?" And, and it was now like, indoor. What? And then they moved it indoors last minute because it was snowing in right. May. Which, 
yeah, I think we were all happy it moved indoor. <laughs> but yeah. but playing first, I mean, it it was like, oh, this would have been really cool. It was also, what, at like cool. 2 p.m. or something? It was very early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we still, like, with the flights, like, we, we were like, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that story, but, like, or yeah, if you remember. we flew back the same day. We all flew back. Oh, yeah, yeah. We all, well... So, well, maybe see, I, you play so many shows, you probably barely remember, remember the details, but it was like one of the band, the headliner was late or one of the yeah, bands yeah, yeah, was yeah. late, so everything kept getting pushed back, pushed yeah. back, and we're just sitting around like, are we going to make our flight? Like, we oh, were all yeah, supposed yeah. to fly back. Right, right. It was, uh, it was the first time I'd ever, I think you said, first time you guys ever, too, flew out in the morning and back that night <laughs> yeah. for a gig, which was yeah. like, kind of felt like a rock star, but like, also... It was so we had to get to the airport so early. Yeah, we were like, uh, if we don't start our set soon, yeah, we're literally gonna have ten minutes to play or something. Yeah, so we just ended up getting kind of squeezed, yeah. and uh, it was so fun. Like I had so fun playing. Well, the venue was beautiful. I mean, beautiful venue, yeah, the Fillmore. Was, yeah, that was a cool venue. I'd like to get in there again. But yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, you just you know, there's times where you get the short shrift because in the scheme of things, you're deemed to be the lowest rung on the ladder, right? right? And somebody's got to be that first band. I understand that we just threw our own festival uh, in October, and I felt bad for that opening band. Somebody's got to do it. But I also put them a little bit later also for a thing, which was... That's cool. That's a nice thing to do. I knew that... uh, this festival we did called the uh, the Paramount Ranch Sonic Boom, um, somebody had to play at noon. Yeah, and I told the you know other organizers I was like, can't we push it back to like more like one two? But then everything would have got pushed back, and then the curfew would have been exceeded, and we couldn't right. do that. Sure. So somebody had to start it off. Yeah, and there was not a whole lot of people there yet. Sure. Um, but. You know, it is what it is. I think I think every band has been there <clears throat> where you play at a set time that's really not ideal. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, and you, you hope that you get to a point where well, you have enough Instagram followers or whatever. Because, right. like, yeah, there was a, a, a friend's band uh, who I was I was talking to and, like, same kind of thing where like they were playing this little festival thing and they found out like the day before they're they were at first at noon or whatever it yeah. was and they're like we're coming from LA f- to play this festival for like yeah we we're not going to have as big a following right. but we're by far the best band that day yeah. and you're putting us at noon in the in the heat yeah you know in the sun and they were really pissed about it when it was just like, well, I don't know, how do you? Because they were look, they all they they looked at Facebook followers or Instagram followers or whatever it was, and we're just like, well, your band had fifty less followers yeah, than the, yeah. the the next band, and it was like, it is a very amorphous ranking system. I mean, I think, um, yeah, you know, that's why, as nerve wracking as it is, I would tell every up and coming band. You could be super popular on Instagram or TikTok or um, at festivals until you do your own 
headlining tour in clubs in various cities all throughout the week, not just on Friday and Saturday, and people show up, you don't know how much of a fan base you have. Yeah. If people are showing up on Tuesday in Cleveland, you got something going, you know? And it's hard for many people to get that. Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, there's been times where we thought that a early set time would be bad, and actually sometimes it works out. I mean, sure. I remember we got booked on Bottle Rock. Oh, cool. Up in Napa, one of the biggest festivals we've ever played. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we'll put you at 1 p.m., you know, and we're like, ah. And it was also raining. We're like, oh, no. Yeah. And they were like, 8,000 people like, going crazy <laughs> at 1 p.m. in the rain. You were the was best incredible. band that at one that day. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> you know? That's cool. So sometimes when you have lower expectations, yeah. you could have more fun. Whereas if you're like, this is going to be the greatest night of my life. Right. And then like, oh, wait, it wasn't that great. It's a good point. After all. Managing expectations maybe is important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there, there, was a, there was an instance I always think of when we were recording... Um, this album with a lampshade on, which was a mostly live record. We recorded it one night at the Troubadour and one night at Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. And our crowds were both, like, fantastic both nights. Like, maybe the most energy I've ever experienced in a room. Nice. Which is an amazing thing to have recording a live record, but also, like, nerve-wracking because you're so fired up, and then you're like, wait, (laughs) don't mess this up because it's going to be on your live record. Right. And the San Francisco show, we get out there, there's just, like, a electric energy in the room, and you're like, all right, we're going to, like, start this off with a bang. Yeah. I literally get out there. Within the first song, my chord stopped working, like, started fritzing out, and then I broke a string. Which oh. I never do, like once or twice a year. Wow! In the most pivotal point of like this recording process, and I like look over at the the engineer guy. I was like, "Is this really happening right now?" Like, and we had to like stop everything, and like everyone was like, "What's happening?" And like the energy just like went out of the room like a balloon. Oh you no! Know? And then we got going again, but it was so like. I'm so fired up. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did it, did you actually restart the song? Did they? Yeah. yeah? I think so. It's like, you guys got to put up with this. Sorry, but, you know, it's happening. <laughs> well, I also didn't realize until much later that you can, like, fix problems on a live record in sure. post. Yeah. Not all of them, but, like, we stuff. overdubbed some vocals, some you know, sure. instrument solos that were not great. And this guy, Alex Ch- um, Chaloff is his name. Man, does he do a great job with live sound. Oh, cool. I mean, he is the best we've ever experienced um, for video and sound and live recording. And I'm so glad that he was able to do this. I mean, he had every instrument mic'd four different ways. Okay. It was, like, incredible <laughs> with, like, ribbon mics and with, like, you know, lavalier. I mean, it was, like, crazy. Wow. And, you know, the funny thing is that the, 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 the hardest thing to recreate was actually the crowd noise. Right. It was almost so clean. They were like, wait, but the energy in the room is not there. Dude. So we had to actually pipe in, like, the room mics and, like, bring those way up. Right. 
Um, and then there's times where we wanted to eliminate that and we couldn't. Like, there was a guy who felt the need in the middle of the song to just yell, fuck yeah, <laughs> like at the top of his voice. Oh, uh, yeah. Couldn't get it out of the record. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, how do you... I guess you, you can you bleep like can, can you just bleep the crowd mic for a second? <laughs> the the well, instruments are still going. Be, not really. You just hear beep. Yeah, that live. I mean, live recordings are tricky, man. I mean, yeah. that's that's the why it's not done more. Yeah, you know, it's like it is tricky, and why like at least for like comedy albums and stuff, a lot of times they film like three different shows. Yeah, just because you never know what's gonna happen. Uh. But that's, yeah, that's cool. Are there, sorry, what were you going to say? We were just in um, Wisconsin um, yeah. for that Viroqua show, but uh, the day before, we met up with this guy named Brian Joseph, uh, who's an uh, engineer, producer, who worked on our last full record. Um, he is in that town where Boney Vare and a lot of those people came out of yeah. in Wisconsin. Um, Claire, I think it's called. Yeah, Eclair. And um, he has this, like, cabin studio. Where, yeah. Like, we got to, like, get in there and try to work with him because we, lo- we loved working with him. He's like, well, you're going to be nearby. So we worked it out. We only had one day. So we're like, we'll do it. We'll see if we can knock out an original song and a cover. And he's kind of an easygoing dude, and we're all catching up. And Right. Um, we, were, we thought we were going to record this one place. It ended up just going to his cabin studio because it was so cool but he had to bring all the equipment back in because he thought we wanted a bigger like room gotcha so we didn't start recording till like eight o'clock at night yikes and um we did the original song but you know it was a new track that we'd maybe rehearsed a handful of times so we had to do it several different ways right and then we really wanted to do this Beatles cover that we've been doing live. And it was like 1 a.m. <laughs> and we're like, no, no, we've got to still try to do this. <laughs> and we're like, let's just let's just play it totally live like we've been doing. And we did it in like two takes, and it sounds awesome, you know? It's like a little bit on the edge, like you're like almost screwing up. Right. But that it, it reminded me of that story that the Beatles, you know, when they were recording Twist and Shout. Yeah. And, like, I think McCartney's voice was totally blown. Oh, yeah. And they're like, no, just do it anyway. <laughs> and you could hear him on the recording, like, shake it up. Oh, yeah, he's he's struggling. I mean, sometimes, like you said, though, like, sometimes those are the magic moments. Well, they, it's like when your vocals, if you're belting, if you're just on the edge of breaking, yeah. that's when it sounds so emotionally charged. <laughs> right. And there is a, a point on, on the recording, which we're going to have to deal with, that LaShawn does break for a second. Oh, yeah. Because she was like, I have like maybe one more take in me. Because she's really, really going for it on this, where I'm kind of a little more in my range. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like going for it hard. Right. And after that, she was like, yeah, I'm good for the night, I think. <laughs> hey, at some point, you got to call it, right? Yeah. The diminishing returns, as they say. But I stayed later yeah. because i was like no i i want to do a couple of these really high background vocals because i love stacking harmonies yeah and i can sing really high okay weirdly high if i want to <laughs> like not, not loud yeah like 
like if I'm at home yeah. doing like demos, yeah, it'll all of a sudden be like a queen like <laughs> stack of nine harmonies. That's fun. Which is not always the greatest sound, even though you think it's going to be great. Yeah. But we had this new song that had these. It reminds me of this Linda Ronstadt tune where you're like, nice. And like you can barely make it, but if it's like sort of in the mix somewhere in the back, it's like, it's kind of nice. Yeah. And it kind of gives it a little spice too when it's like close to your ceiling. (laughs) Well, it's also like my favorite thing. Like if you can, if you have really tasty harmony background vocals. It's like pure pleasure. It seemed like that was something you were into. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I know you you don't have too much time left, but I uh, are there any other like stories that would be fun to talk about uh, from the road or like funny things that have happened over the years? Be more specific. Um, good question. Maybe like like getting into it with an audience member or or uh, or people on staff kind of a thing like uh or kind of a gear fail situation hmm. or uh just something on stage where that was like what's your funniest moment on stage maybe something like that hmm. if nothing comes to mind we can pivot to something else <laughs> well i think there's times where <laughs> I always remember we played this city concert actually pretty much down the street from where I, from where I live now in Santa Monica. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were supposed to play, and then at like 1 p.m., the mayor of Santa Monica was going to come on. Okay. Like give like his speech. Nice. And Opening for the mayor. I uh, I had this cheap watch at the time that kept going slow. <laughs> and, but you kept giving it more chances. Well, I was to... like, I was like, oh, it probably just needs a new battery, and I like put a new battery into it, even though it was just like a crappy watch, so it kept going slow. Right. So my watch said like twelve fifty five. Yeah, so for like, like twenty minutes. And so <laughs> we played like our second to last song, and then built this whole drum roll like big finale. Like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, everyone get closer, and you're gonna have the. You know, it was like the call and response part is this, and like the dance move is this. Because um, I think we used to probably do this song called Lampshade On, where right. there was a dance move and like a, you know, this whole thing. And I look back and I see the, you know, organizer giving me like the hand across the throat, <laughs> like, and then pointing to the mayor, like, get off the stage. And I'm like, all right, everybody, we're going to do this amazing new song that we're going to dance to. And then she like took the mic basically inside and was like, okay, thank you. That's it. And then like <laughs> cut us off before we actually played the big finale. Oh, because my watch said, I, I was like, we have five more minutes. She's like, it's one o'clock. Can't bump the mayor. <laughs> mayor takes precedence. So it was like, everybody get closer to the stage. Okay, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> they probably thought it was all part of the show. I was like, what? That's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, there's times where, I don't know, venues. We used to play this fancy place downtown L.A. That was kind of a jazzy environment. You had to have a dress code. Mm. Um, and... We 
you know, had a semi-regular thing there. And the manager of this place was just a tyrant, this woman. And she would come in and you would do sound check. And she's like, you going to wear those shoes on stage tonight? <laughs> you couldn't be bothered to have a better pair of shoes for our venue? I was like, uh, I, and this is like, I've wore these the last four times we played here. And then the crowd was like getting bigger and bigger for us there. Um, and there was one night where we were feeling like on top of the world and like people were calling for an encore, but she has like her DJ go on after us. And we're like, should we go back on? She's like, remember, you're just the Thursday band. <laughs> That's all you are. And then she walked away. And, like, we, that's another, like, one of those things where, like, whenever you're feeling pretty proud of yourself, like, remember, you're just the, the Thursday, Thursday band. band. Yeah. The DJ's going on now. Yeah. Get off the stage. <laughs> bumped for the mayor and then bumped for the DJ, man. Just, you Because, know. you know, in a way, when you're hired at a lot of places, weddings sometimes when you play, you are the hired help. Right. Right. Yeah, like and treated as such a lot of times. You know, sometimes they treat you really <laughs> well, yeah. but like, there's times where, um, there was another instance where we got hired for this very fancy wedding. They they actually this is the only time this has ever happened. We were an eight piece band at that point. They're like, no, no, we want you to be a ten piece band for this. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're like we'll pay you extra to like add, so it's like an orchestra. Okay, we're like. Great. Okay, we'll bring in yeah. our you know a tuba player and a clarinet player. So like, all right, these people like have money to spend, and we get there, and you know you play a wedding. Usually they feed you at a certain point, like sure. everyone else. And they're like, oh yeah, your uh, your dinner's up in your green room. And we're like, oh okay, cool. And we get up there, and it's two Domino's pizzas. Oh, for ten people. Woo. Yikes. Medium pizzas. Medium. <laughs> Slice and a half. And we just started laughing. Each. And then actually one of the guys we hired, who's a little kind of a, it was like a prima donna. He was like, this is an outrage. I'm going to go like <laughs> speak to the organizer. We're like, no, no, just don't do that. You know. That is pretty insulting. Like if it was a stack of Domino's pizzas, you're like, all right. I, the funniest thing know. is that like there are so many good pizza places that you could have <laughs> right, gone to. Right. And not only did you not do that, you went to Domino's. They had a deal. Two medium pizzas. Two medium. For ten people. Everyone's like in tuxedos. Right, yeah. Thin crust. <laughs> <laughs> no dipping sauce for you. Right, yes. No garlic nuts. That's pretty funny. Thanks for pulling those stories out. You you there's, had them. I'm sure there's I'm, many more. There's got to be so many in there. Like, oh does God. it all just blend together kind of <laughs> nowadays? Yeah, I mean, there's... In some ways. There's ones that you, I think, maybe, like, try to forget, maybe. Sure. Well, see, that's what I'm trying to pull out with this. It's yeah. it's It's part music podcast, part therapy, part I, music therapy. I mean, I think we've been, like, <laughs> lucky overall in that, like, yeah. I mean... Knock on wood, like, we've made every show that we've tried to get to, you know? I mean, there's been a few times where I remember going to this festival in Pennsylvania, big storm, there was an overturned big rig on the off-ramp, we couldn't move, and we're like, shit, we're missing our set, and because it was a pouring rain situation, outdoor festival, 
they actually just moved our set later in the day. That's cool. You know? Yeah. And there's been a couple of shows that I couldn't make. Oh, yeah. Um, where I had a flight canceled going to, uh, I was meeting the band in a some festival up in Northern California, and my flight just got canceled, and they just did the show without me. That's, I mean, that's cool that they, you know, show must go on, right? Yeah. And uh, that's something you can kind of pull off if you have a big band. I'm not right. sure if we could do that right now. That must have been a weird feeling for you being at home while <laughs> your band is playing where you're the front man. Well, it's more like I was sitting in the Newark airport okay. going like, why yeah. do I have to be here? Ugh. And then we never flew out of Newark ever again after that. <laughs> Stands to reason, yeah. I had one, uh, it, was, it was a New Year's gig many years ago, and... It was up in Big Bear, and there just happened to be, like, a blizzard. Yeah. Like, it snowed really bad the night before. And what is normally, what's Big Bear? An hour and a half, maybe two hours, maybe a little more, depending on when you leave. Took me seven hours. So we obviously, like, and I was driving with the guitar player, and, like, it it was such a catastrophe. I mean, we had to go go back and get chains and stuff Uh. and, like... Then the drummer, like, got the wrong chain, so he had to go back, like, two different times. (laughs) So he got there, like, 45 minutes before we were supposed to start. And this was, like, a big New Year's show. They were paying us well. And they were so mad, and we're like, what were we supposed to... Like, the the drummer left his house 12 hours ago. (laughs) Like, this is kind of not cool that you're, like, mad at us for, like... And we were actually there before we start like everybody yeah. was there before we started like you said we didn't miss the show so anyway yeah, i don't there think was, they ever there was a series of of harrowing colorado incidences where yeah um yeah there was one going to the i think it was the, the whatever the opera house is in aspen which is only about 2 hour drive technically from denver okay and took us yeah like seven hours because various passes got shut down we had to turn around different you know highways try to find a back road and they were texting us being like should we call it like should we cancel it like no 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 we've been on this road for seven and a half hours we're playing this show yeah and we showed up at showtime (laughs) and we literally like took off our coats covered in snow they like had the stuff set up. We just like took our instruments out in our snow coats and just <laughs> played the show. That's <laughs> like, pretty funny. Like just walked on stage, everyone cheered, like they made it, you know. Yeah. I had one of those too at a festival with uh with Salt Pedal where I think our flight got delayed and we literally by the time we got there, we were supposed to have already started and they like got in like got us in the ATV or whatever and drove us to the back of the stage and we really like ran on and they're just like go 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 gets and we're just like oh, like we we've yeah. been traveling for the last 6 hours and now we have to immediately play. <laughs> yeah. So that's a that's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, the the last one I'll say is the um the first time we played in London. This little jazz club in Camden. I don't have any I didn't have any concept of how big London was. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one of the biggest cities in the world. I mean, yeah. it is huge. Sure. And also, like, no major highways through the center of town. Right. 
It actually reminds me of LA in that in that aspect. You have to kind of go all the way around or snake your way through these old school streets. Interesting, yeah. And we had one big sprinter van, right? Which is not made for a lot of these streets. Right. And also we're driving on the wrong side of the road for the first time. So like <laughs> oh, barely, you're driving yourselves? Barely holding it together. <laughs> Oof, more power to you. And first we we get this car and uh we had thought that it was arranged that it was gonna be automatic. Oh uh, <laughs> and the guy's like all right, so here you go. And we're like, oh, no, no, this is manual. And they're like, this is all we have right now. I was like, can anyone drive manual? <laughs> and Josh, our drummer, can. And then Liz, our, our singer at the time, was like, well, I can drive stick. It's no problem. But she couldn't really. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so she was stalling the car f- 14 times oh, getting no. out of Heathrow. Oh, God. And we thought it would be a good idea to check in at our hotel first this was uh, this was actually flying from amsterdam to london and then we were going to play that same night yeah which is completely bonkers <laughs> we're like oh it's a short flight it'll be easy right and when i thought you booked a show in london it's like all right you'll drive from the airport to the show it'll take what half hour right like it's I feel always like that that gets you though. Well, I feel like it? LA is so bad a lot of times that you're like everywhere else is going to be pretty easy unless you're right. like in New York or something, you know. Yeah. And of course like London is like Mumbai or something. It's a huge <laughs> massive metropolis of 15 million people. Yeah. Of old school windy roads. And we get to the hotel and the airports are way south. Okay. And Camden is way north. Of the city, which we have, we didn't bother to check or look. Of course look. not. <laughs> and so we get to the hotel, and they just assumed we were, like, going to check in for the night and be done with it and then play our show tomorrow. And they're like, so uh, where are you guys playing tonight? We're like, oh, we got we to gotta go to the sound check in Camden. And they're like, are you crazy, mate? Like, when do you think you're going to do that? And we're like, oh, we'll just go now. And we also have to pick up the drums, too. Oh, of course. Because we didn't have our own drum set. We were going <laughs> to pick it up on the way. I'm like, you'll never make your show. Like, what do you, this is rush hour traffic on a Friday night. Yikes. And we were like an hour and a half late for our set time, I want to say. Yeah. And God bless, those people like sat and waited for us. And we played the set. You That's know? nice. But, like, <laughs> we had no concept of how long and harrowing this drive would take. I mean, it took two hours yeah. to get from the south part of London to Camden. And we couldn't fit this bus van through certain bridges and areas. You had to, like, go around, and then you had to get redirected. Yikes. It was, like, <laughs> Sounds stressful. It sounds oh my God. quite Among stressful. Among the most – and I think I <laughs> – I was like the navigator, so I was like, <laughs> left, right, left. Oh, my God. Right. No, not that bridge. You're concentrating just as much as the driver probably. Pretty much. Yeah, so that was that was pretty crazy. But, you know, God bless. Those people waited, and, like, there's still, like, every now and again you'll see a couple of those people, like, on our Facebook be like, like the hardcore British. There's a couple, like, real hardcore British fans. Nice. 
who like every time we go over there, we'll go to like every show we play in this entire country. You know, that's awesome. Which is really beautiful. You know, and you know, my hope is that this new iteration of the band can be given a chance to like do our thing on a bigger level because yeah. I think the sound is really awesome. It's just about yeah. getting that chance. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, hope to play with you again. It's uh, yeah, man. Really enjoyed the shows and. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Of course. I appreciate the time. And uh, it, in closing, any uh, anything you want to shout out, either of your own stuff or anything you've been listening to that you want to... Uh, yeah, if you want to listen to my podcast, uh, it's called The Show on the Road. Um, we've been on for about four years now. Nice. 120-something um, episodes. Nice. Um you know, I try to put them out Thursdays. A new episode just went out today. Um, and, uh, yeah, talks to songwriters and bands from all over the place. And, um, you know, it's had some pretty big folks on there. Um, and I have a new radio show in L.A. on 88.5. Nice. The SoCal Sound. Oh, yeah. Um, KCSN, great sort of indie rock uh, independent station. Um now, uh, most musicians or people listening to this aren't awake at 7 a.m. on Saturdays, <laughs> but all the shows are archived, so you can't That's listen cool. to them. And I really like putting all my favorite music on there, and um, some interviews from my podcast also go on there. But, um, yeah, this week uh, I'm going to do all music from uh, different countries, no American music. Cool. Because I am very hell-bent on getting people to listen to music that's not just the same American English-speaking stuff that they listen to every single day of their life. Sure. There's so much great music out there that American listeners don't ever give the chance to. Totally. You know. Awesome. Open your ears and open your minds. Yeah, man. A lot of good stuff out there. Well, that's awesome, dude. Appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you next time. Cool.